0: Welcome to The Waggle, everybody. This is James Cebulski alongside Davis Sanchez. And uh, thank you very much for joining us once again. Before we go any further, we'd just like to dedicate this week's edition to the family and the friends of Calgary Stampeders defensive back Mylon Hicks, who was killed last weekend. Mylon, this episode goes out to you. As I mentioned, he's Davis Sanchez. I'm James Cebulski. We'll look ahead to this weekend's matchups in the Canadian Football League with our CFL Pick'ems. And, uh, but first and foremost, a conversation with one of the brightest minds of the Canadian Football League from the CFL on TSN, Dwayne Ford. Davis, a guy that you know quite well and a guy that I've got a long history with as well.
1: Yeah, great to have uh, Dwayne on the show. Nobody nobody knows this league at the ins and outs of this league and the personnel of this league like Dwayne Ford does. So it'd be great to to pick his brain and talk to you know one of the real sharp minds in the CFL media today.
0: Well, lots to get to. I mean, Kent Austin uh, caused a little controversy from last weekend. Hi-ya! Uh, hi-ya! Channeling his inner Bruce Lee. Uh, we'll talk to Dwayne about that. Uh, you know, what? here's a guy who's also, there's been a lot of rumblings about him maybe being a possible GM in the Canadian Football League. Is it even interest him at all? Uh, what a lot lies of ahead? Talk for, yeah, lots of talk. And, and what lies ahead for Darian Durant as well? I mean, we talked at length about it last week, and it's not going away because go figure the Saskatchewan Rough Riders already basically suggesting that there are some talks going Publi- on now. publicly
1: that they're what's going on with the contract negotiations which uh, lead us to believe what what we think is going to happen during moving on but we'll talk about that uh, in the show
0: you ready to do this let's do it. <laughs> And at this time, let's welcome to the fold, a very special guest to kind of break down the discussion this week, Davis, Uh, a guy who's never at a loss of words, just ask him, actually no, he's kind of like the silent but violent uh, sort of guy, I mean, I had to, before you had to carry me for month after month after month doing the waggle, there was somebody else who used to carry me with respect to CFL football, it's our guest from the CFL on TSN, my good buddy, and uh, one of the biggest Advocates for Canadian football, you will ever find Dwayne Ford, buddy. It is great to catch up with you again, man. Uh, I'm sorry, who is this? Who is this again? <laughs> oh, I think we got a bad connection. Is this not Bill? Is this not Bill
2: you know, Dave, Davis asked me to do this show, but he didn't yeah. say who who he was co-hosting. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, Oh, yeah. uh, Seaball, go. it's always a pleasure, my friend. It's been far too long.
0: Um, where, where do we want to jump in? Uh, where to jump in? I mean, there's so many different areas I'd love to talk to you about. Uh, um, I, I want to get your take on uh, some uh, prospects because I know you love the grassroots level of the game as well. We'll get into that in a moment. But first things first, I think people love controversy, and I think the most controversial thing to discuss uh, this week is... Uh, I think the Kent Austin karate chop on a, on a CFL official in the uh, fourth quarter uh, obviously took issue with uh, a, a questionable call at best uh, in that game against Saskatchewan. Uh, he freaked out on the sidelines and kind of swung his arm. And inadvertent or not, he wound up chopping an official's hand. Um, not to the point that he hurt him or anything, but I think the, to me the old adage comes down to you don't put your hands on a, on a referee. Uh, Is he facing a suspension
2: here? Uh, I don't know if it'll be as strong as a as a suspension, but certainly there will be discipline for for this incident. You know, one of the things that to me is is very interesting about the way the CFL officiates the game on the field that may impact whatever decision they come up with here is that essentially, if you look at the trend over the last couple of years, what they've tried to do is really take the judgment out of it for the officials and they don't try to officiate intent, right? They don't try to judge intent. They try to look at everything as, as black or white. Did you do it or not? And so that's where it gets interesting for Kent Austin, because I think everybody watching is in agreement that it was, as you said, inadvertent. he inadvertently struck the official. I mean, Kent is, Kent is a passionate guy and excitable guy, but he's by no means a violent or aggressive guy. But But the contact happened.
0: Yeah. the Same thing with Deron Carter too, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think you ultimately you're you're looking at the the end result, you know, and uh, and so I think that yeah there'll be there'll be some discipline here, but honestly it, it's been a great source of frustration for me the fact that that there is no that there is no judgment in officiating anymore that it is strictly black or white because to me it it has hurt the game in a lot of ways and so I hope really in this situation that uh, that they do look at. The judgment angle is kind of a mitigating factor. Yes, he struck him, and as a result, yes, there has to be some sort of discipline, but let's not go over the top as if he intentionally chopped him on
1: the arm you're, you're being very kind doing very very kind to yeah. <laughs> so your friend mr austin I, th- I think he i think he's gonna get uh, suspended for a I game he he he, sw- he definitely swung his hand at the official's arm uh, i mean he's not gonna be out for uh, a year here but he definitely should, should sit a game for for contact you know, official and my opinion. But uh, moving on, Dwayne, uh, talking about the refereeing, this is something that I've been talking about. I actually tweeted back and forth or texted back and forth with you about it. Watching the NFL, mm-hmm. yeah. L- NFL games for the first, first few weeks, I, every time they show a replay – uh, with the defensive back and a receiver, it looked like it, if they replayed that in the CFL, it would be pass interference there 's no question like guys in the NFL right now yep. are getting away with touching down the field, the clutching and grabbing all the things that you know are kind of standard that that we, we grew up in the CFL doing and, and watching and, and our expectations. Do you think that the rules might have we might have gone a little too far with the pass interference things and you, do you think that's something uh, they may make a change to that in the off season?
2: Yeah, I, I really do think that this is something that they have to address. And I think that, you know, I'll, I'll go back to the start on this. For me, I was never a fan of um, of the instant replay because I'm a fan of the human element of the game, plain and simple. And, and the fact is, you know, I mean, players will sometimes make mistakes. Coaches will sometimes make mistakes. And I'm okay with the fact that sometimes officials will make mistakes. But the way that it's gone now is that, because of because of the, the institution of instant replay, I think you've got a combination of, of so many things coming into play. I think that you've got, um, for one, I think a lot of the times, officials sort of officiating, knowing that there's the replay, knowing that there's a bit of the safety net, and making calls based on the fact that, that they know how replay will be handled in, in certain instances. So, for example, if something looks like, it's going to be it might be a scoring play, but even as an official, you think maybe the guy didn't catch the ball in the end zone. You know you're probably going to call it a catch because as a scoring play, then it's automatically going to be reviewed, and you've got the safety net, whereas if you call it no catch, it's not a scoring play, and the, the review isn't automatic, right And so there's for me, there's that element of it. One of the other big aspects of it for me has to do with um, with just the the pressure that it has put on coaches now is that I I honestly feel like the onus to officiate games has been taken off of the officials and put on the coaches. So it used to be there was a time a few years ago, I mean, before they went to this system, that if an official missed a call in a game, the criticism was directed at the official, right? Whereas now if an official misses a call in the course of a game, Everybody looks to the coach and where's, questions, where's, why the didn't spotters, the coach "Where's your
1: spotters? What happened to this?" Yeah, yes, exactly. No, no, like, no why question. didn't that
2: coach challenge it? And there's no, there's kind of no mention of the fact that the official missed the call. And so, you know, what what it comes down to is you're going to see coaches losing their coaching jobs because they're not good at officiating. And <laughs> I don't really think that's right either. But
0: the replay, but the replay element, though, you know, everybody at home, or you're you're looking at a half a million to a million viewers watching each week that. We'll second guess it, right? And then it becomes, you know, if you take, I, 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 listen, I appreciate the human element because I think that's something that we overlook. And that's the human element is what what separates the great players from the good players or the average players. But I think when you've got the way that the game is broadcast and telecast now, I think you create such um, uh, a second guessing element now. In the sport, where you kind of have to have it now, right? Because it's it's almost it's almost like well, how do you how does the league go forward? Like it's almost like the wrestling referee analogy, there, Dwayne. You know what I mean? Like the referee had his back turned, and five guys came out with folding chairs and blasted (laughs) him. Like how do you miss that? You know? And and so and that's where you kind of wonder, well, if you've got the technology, I I, and listen, I'm with you in terms of the game being slowed. You know. I don't yeah. want to bog the game down, but there has to be, maybe maybe you limit the challenges. Yeah, maybe, there's, there's yeah. a happy
2: medium there yes, somewhere. Exactly. And, and for me, where, uh, you know, I mean, as you alluded to, it's sort of like the genie's out of the bottle now, right? Yes. And so yes. it's it's tough to go back. And the the way that I kind of look at it is for things that can be called as black and white, like sort of was the ball across the plane or not, You could even make the argument of, you know, did the receiver get his feet down in bounds? Did you know what I mean? Did his feet touch the line? Did he have control of the ball? The next question, those sorts of things. Yeah, Yeah. like I mean, those things I think you can use instant replay for. But to me, for things such as pass interference, sometimes even illegal contact, things like that. You know, my argument going into this, especially when they tried to to make pass interference um, a challengeable thing. I understand why they're doing it. I completely understand why they're doing it. Everything is about the desire to help the officials to get the calls right. Ultimately, you want to get the calls right, and I understand that. But my argument has always been if something is a judgment call at regular speed, like at live speed, it's still a judgment call in, in slow motion and in replay. And you see it all the time. Like we All the time, we, we look at these replays of, um, you know, was it pass interference or not, and still you so rarely are you going to find a consensus, right? Like there's still going to be after watching the replay, one coach who's saying it was one coach who's saying it wasn't one group of fans saying It was one group of fans saying it wasn't, you know, even one broadcaster saying it was one broadcaster saying it wasn't that it's, it's still very much a judgment call. And so those are the ones where my feeling is you, you don't gain, you don't benefit from, from going to instant replay. It doesn't resolve what the issue is. And I don't think there is a resolution for what the issue is. I mean, the the point of the officials is for them to use their judgment to officiate the game. And I I just feel like the officials have been handcuffed a little too much in that regard now
1: and we're in complete agreement with this Dwayne one more question I have Don't about regarding I know I, I feel the exact same way I feel like the out of balance things the end zone things like that can be replayed but the 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 judgment thing should not should not be up for yes. replay but anyway uh neither here nor there the question I have about uh, the replay system I always wondered is in the TSN trucks so the replays that are that are going back to the replay center is it the same feed that that we're seeing on TV is that they're getting back at the replay center
2: yeah for the most part yeah you're gonna see like kind of everything that you're seeing on tv is the same things that um that they're seeing so in the they, replay center so, so it, we're gonna give we're gonna give them as we're giving the viewer every angle that we have we're also giving the cfl command center every replay that we have every angle that we have
1: and they also hearing what you hearing you guys because they have the feed They are they hearing you guys as well <laughs> I, I believe that they're think hearing that.
2: us, yeah. Whether they like it or not, right? Sometimes. Influence, yeah.
1: influence. No, but I often think that because sometimes, I mean, obviously these guys are not being, you know, not being influenced by you guys or being, you know, going to make the decision on on what you or you know or your colleagues say, but. That being said, sometimes you hear like that's an obvious passive friends. Look at the as you you might say, or Rod might say, you know, he tugs the as you see his left arm, he tugs the jersey. That now brings the attention to these guys to say, oh yeah, look at the left arm tugging the jersey. Yeah, you get where we're coming from. Yeah, I, I,
2: I, I understand how um how they could be influenced by that, but you know, my contention would be probably for the number of times that that I disagree with the call that they've made, yeah. I would say that they're not necessarily being, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. That, uh, yeah, that we're, we're, we're not always on the same side of it. And I'm, I'm sure Glenn Souter or Matt Dunnigan, when they're in the booth, would tell you the same thing, that there are times when, when it goes to replay and, and we're saying what we think it is. And, And they come back with something completely different so i I guess we don't have as much influence as we might think we do
0: (laughs) (laughs) just ask them just ask them um dwayne let me ask you this let's change gears for a second i want to talk to you about uh darian durant and there's been a lot that's been said and obviously it's been quite the dramatic season in regina in saskatchewan with the rough riders they're going into a new stadium next year and it feels like this year is kind of the crossroads year for darian durant obviously his contract's up at season's end um, you know, they go out at the beginning of the season, they trade Sean Lemon for Mitchell Gale, uh, who's look, who looks like in, in his sample size is shown to be a player. And, you know, they went out and they made another move about a week and a half ago going out to get a B.J. Daniels, uh, who's kind of kicked around the, the NFL on practice rosters and, and so on and so forth. But, I mean, I start reading through the tea leaves here that they're constantly, you know, a couple of moves for quarterbacks this year. And I guess you can never have enough quarterback depth, but at the same time, I just wonder with this new regime in Saskatchewan to me it's almost telling that maybe they maybe Darien Durant isn't their guy I mean he's it's a new regime and Darian comes with you know the old regime so I mean what's the end game here with Darian he's obviously shown that he can still play when healthy but he's also 32 now
2: yeah and you hit the nail on the head we, we see it so often with the new regime right they kind of they kind of want their guy. And uh, you know, it wouldn't shock me at all. One guy who I believe is, is a free agent at season's end that, uh, that might be of interest given the roots of this coaching staff is James Franklin from the Edmonton Eskimos, a guy who was their backup quarterback a year ago when this coaching staff was with the Eskimos. Um, had some success, obviously, as a starter or coming off the bench. A guy who's seen as, as very much a prototype CFL quarterback, a guy with, uh, with a winning track record. A history of, of being a terrific leader and so on, that uh, you know that that he's one that could be of interest certainly uh, to to keep an eye on with the Saskatchewan situation. So then in the and where do you think Darian?
0: Where is Darian to next year? Yeah,
2: <laughs> that's uh, that that'll be one to watch. What do you? you think? know, because I I get the same vibe, quite frankly, with uh, with Saskatchewan that no, that they were no kind pun, of like no pun have their own guy.
1: Quite frankly, no pun intended. <laughs> Uh, James Franklin, yeah. James yeah. Franklin, yeah. No, James I, Franklin. Yes, uh, it's it's not a secret, uh, Dwayne, about uh, James Franklin. It's been and it's talked about. It. Everyone kind of has that uh, that same feeling you have that James Franklin is is who Chris Jones and that crew wants over there. Um, and to me, you know, Chris came out. Uh, and I'd like to get your take on this, but Chris came out this week publicly and said that, hey, look, uh, we're not gonna hit, Darian's contract is gonna be a lot of incentives. Um, there's not gonna be a lot of guaranteed money in there, and other teams will offer darien more guaranteed money. Now this is a quote from Chris. That to me as, as yeah. Darian as a guy who was a who's a you know a, a, a vet a great cup multiple champion great cup great cup right, four years four four out of five years in the, in the in the winning the west. I mean this is a guy who who deserves the respect. He's going to feel slighted by these comments and I feel like even if he gets a similar offer somewhere else and it's it if they're the same he would still leave just because I feel like he'll, he's feel like he'd been slighted by, by this regime. Your take?
2: Yeah, I, I get the same vibe. And I, for me, it also goes back to kind of the, the arrival of this regime. And again, we all, we all understand why with a new head coach, general manager, coaching staff, et cetera, taking over a team, why you want to maybe clear out some of the guys who are very much associated with previous regimes, right? But I think when you're, when you're Darian Durant and you've kind of watched um, John Chick and Weston Dressler get released in the previous offseason and there are, those guys are allowed to go elsewhere, that those are the guys who are right there with you as faces of the franchise. Um, you know, you, uh,
1: Your time is ne- you're you, next. you
2: take that as a bit of a sign, right? Yeah, like yeah. You, you, you understand what's going on, that, uh, that nobody is safe, and that includes Darian Durant. And I take Chris Jones' comments. In a way, as for me, if I'm try- looking for something, trying to read between the lines a little bit, it's almost like putting it out there so that they're not surprised. Fans and the public <laughs> yeah. kind of understand totally. that. Uh, yeah. Well, he may move on. That it may not be our choice. It may just be his choice if he moves on. Just to, just to kind of put it out there, right? I, that he may have ample reason to choose to move.
0: I, I look at, I'm trying to figure out the destination points of with the options for Darian Durant. The, the, it all, to me, if, if he's going to leave Regina, if he's going to leave Rider Nation, to me, the most logical destination, is it not Montreal? Right
2: now, it certainly is. Yeah, Yeah, and I, I, I'm a little bit, uh, obviously that's going to depend on what goes on in Montreal in terms of their, their coaching staff and so on. But um But, yeah, I mean, they're the team that that has the greatest need, right? It looked like they had a good situation there with a veteran and Kevin Glenn providing some leadership and providing a bit of a bridge to young guys and Rakeem Cato and and Vernon Adams moving forward. You want to make sure that if you feel strongly about those prospects that you're not rushing them in and throwing them into the fire, that if you have a veteran there for a year, a couple years, whatever the case may be, that – that, that it protects those guys a little bit, right? And keeps the, the pressure off of your young quarterbacks make sure you don't ruin them. And th- that is a logical one with the trade of Kevin Glenn, obviously to Winnipeg a couple of weeks ago, that, uh, that there's something of a void there.
1: What do you take st- staying with Montreal, Dwayne? What do you take for the news out of Montreal yesterday now that uh Jacques Chaplin has taken over the play calling duties, uh, relinquished Anthony of those duties? Uh, what do you take from that situation? And is that is that a situation that's still um, is, is Anthony a viable choice for a head coach next year, even though uh, he's obviously taken a step back by having these duties uh, relinqu- relinquished?
2: Uh- I I take it as a a step back for Anthony, but I take it as, honestly, a positive step back. I think because he's Anthony Calvillo, people think of Anthony Calvillo the player. And this is an ongoing discussion, you know? Like, if you have this with guys who have been veteran coaches who haven't necessarily played in the league, but guys who have put in their time, put in their years, and paid their dues as coaches, one of the things that I know a lot of guys look at is... The, the feeling that sometimes guys who have played in the league get fast-tracked into certain coaching situations. And I honestly feel like that's a little bit of what, what has happened to Anthony, that you've got a guy who's an inexperienced coach. He's only in his second year coaching. And all of a sudden, he's now the offensive coordinator and working with young quarterbacks. And
0: it's too much. It's too much hasn't, too soon, has, Yeah, it? I mean, hasn't,
2: honestly, hasn't had the time to, to own his skills as a coach and know exactly how he wants to do things and really, really understand that role as a coach, right? It's one thing to be, to be a great player. And and Davis, you would know, having played with Anthony, this is a guy who's probably going to be a very, very good coach in this league, but he didn't become a good player overnight. He became a good player through, through hard work, through preparation and, and so on. And so let's give him some time as, as a coach to develop that. And I just think that it was a situation in Montreal where, in a lot of ways, I think the public um, looked at Anthony Calvillo and and thought, oh yeah, he'd so logically be such a great coach to jump right in there and so on. Well, you know, it's, I think it hasn't really been a fair situation for Anthony, quite honestly. I that that. Uh, that I would have liked to have seen him brought along a little bit more slowly yes. as a coach. I think Tom Higgins had it right when when Anthony at the start of last year mm-hmm. was was brought into his first coaching job, and he was a position coach. He was a receiver's coach. And I think that was the right thing, you know? And, uh, you know, by the end of the year, he's sort of co-offensive coordinator and so on. Well, to me, that was, that was happening too fast. And that's you know? why that I mean, was a me, I think coach, it would yeah. have been a better situation. Yeah. yeah, I think it would have been a better situation for Anthony and for the Alouettes to have him spend a couple of years as a position coach. Yeah. And you're grooming him and developing him with an experienced offensive coordinator there which they didn't have, into becoming an offensive coordinator and, and then go from there. But they, uh, they've kind of thrown them to the wolves, and I think it's a situation that, that hasn't been fair to end as a coach.
1: What I always go back to when talking about this th- throughout this season is, is systems, Dwayne. And, and, and every great mm-hmm. offensive coordinator has their system. And, and Anthony hasn't had time. He doesn't have a system. He's just plucking plays randomly and you know that you know the great offense coordinators they have their systems in place and uh, you're right Anthony hasn't had time yet I don't think to actually have a system that he that he knows in and out and he knows where to go and and what he needs and I think uh, you know like you said Higgins having him in there as a receiver coach that gave him a chance to step into a a, a different realm that he's not used to working with receivers instead of being with the quarterbacks to see it from a from a different perspective as he builds his own system and his own offense
2: yeah, yeah, I, I think that's the kind of thing. Honestly, where where you want to have patience. You look at Dave Dickinson. Dave had been an assistant in uh, in Calgary since 2009. So the last year he played was was 08, and he was even that year. If you recall, he kind of had his season ended by concussions and was on the sidelines almost half coaching for for the rest of that 2008 season. But I mean, Dave spent a couple of years as a position coach before he became the coordinator and then he's you know he was under an experienced coordinator to start with uh, in George Cortez in the first year he still had John Huffnagel there as his head coach a guy who is a very experienced offensive coordinator himself for the next several years once he became the offensive coordinator before now becoming a head coach and that to me if you're if you're kind of drawing out a template for Anthony Calvillo I would like to see something a little bit more like that instead of people who are trying to uh accelerate Anthony into this role of coordinator and and very quickly into the role of head coach
0: yeah you almost wonder if it's almost better for Anthony to go somewhere else to to develop as a coach if if he's serious about wanting to be a coach maybe he needs to escape Montreal I mean I I know he likes the city and it's home for him but I wonder if it's maybe it makes more sense for him going forward to be able to succeed where, you know, I think it'll be, you may, you touched it and you hit the nail on the head. I think right at the outset of of talking about this part was, you know, it's hard to separate Anthony Calvillo, the player from Anthony Calvillo, the coach right now. And it was the same way when Wayne Gretzky went behind the bench with the Phoenix Coyotes, like, Oh my God, it's Wayne Gretzky. And they were horrible. And then, you know, I mean, it, 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 doesn't do anything to help his legacy and not that you know it'd be pretty hard to ruin Wayne Gretzky's legacy but in this case for Anthony Calvillo it's the same sort of thing I mean you know there's going to be an expectation everybody wants to see the guy do well and um but it's it's been a case of too much too soon I wonder if he needs to go somewhere else and and you know go under a Kent Austin or or go somewhere else where he can you know work with a you know work in Winnipeg or 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 go with Wally Buono in in BC I, I just wonder if it might be better and I guess we'll see what happens with the organization whether Jim pops long for GM in Montreal or or who ultimately is the next head coach with the Alouettes
2: yeah and I agree with you I think um you know obviously for for Anthony he now has some some pretty deep roots planted in Montreal so it might be a tough move for him but but there is no question the the expectations would be would be different if he were somewhere else right he as much as Anthony has the the sort of hero status, the star status across this league. Um, I think in terms of kind of being seen as a natural face of the franchise kind of guy that exists far more in Montreal than it would exist anywhere else, for sure.
1: Yeah. Uh, Dwayne, the question, uh, we, we talk about we talk about the transition in Montreal now. So there's got to be Jim Pop, in my opinion, I, I spoke to James, we've talked on air about this. I think that that's the end of the Jim Pop era in Montreal as a general manager, and, and not because I don't think he'll be, in a, he could be an effective GM like he always has been, but just that I think that Jim has other things that that he wants to do. I think he's done all that he can, achieve, achieved all he can achieve in the Canadian Football League. He obviously spends a lot of time down in North Carolina at his home, and I think that he has he's poked around the NFL with personnel jobs and things like that in the past. Uh, what do you think about this situation, and do you think that is the end of the Jim Pop era? in montreal not because we know how great he's been not because of his effectiveness but just because you think that it might that situation and that relationship between uh, the wet and the city of montreal and jim might be at its its end
2: yeah it's it's a tough one no question because jim you talk about the the legacy right and and sometimes a legacy getting damaged and i think jim has has carved out Pretty strong reputation as a general manager during his time with the Montreal Alouettes. no question you go back to to nineteen ninety six when the team moved from Baltimore that um, you know that he's been the constant right and i I suspect and, and fear a little bit that that legacy as a general manager has been damaged by what has gone on with with Jim as a coach where you know my feeling honestly is that he's been He's been put out of his element, quite frankly, whether that was by his own choice, whether it was by the choice of management or what have you. But but ultimately what it's done is is I I feel like it's it's hurt his credibility a little bit. And I think that's unfortunate because Jim has worked hard for a lot of years to uh, to develop the reputation that he's had.
1: Uh, Dwayne mo- moving on f- from that this is a, a different thing we've been talking about Made this a and, replacement for Jim yeah it, it, this is it no, nobody has their f- finger on the pulse of the CFL and the personnel in the CFL for those of you who don't know Dwayne's a humble guy he won't talk about it but uh, but I'll tell you this much as we follow the league nobody knows the CFL and personnel in the CFL more than dwayne ford your name has been brought up amongst cfl circles i hear your name a lot when they talk about personnel jobs they talk about gm is this something obviously you have a good gig. I'm not trying to stir the pot or maybe move you over and take your spot on that. that <laughs> Are you trying desk. to take my job? <laughs> <Just> hire hire <laughs> Dwayne. Hire Dwayne, please, so I can take it. Yes. No, um honestly <laughs> you're obviously um very well respected in, in, in that in that community, Dwayne. And your name is always brought up every time it's they're talking. Every time it's, it's facts. And I I follow this league very closely and I've always respected um how much effort and time Dwayne puts into wow. personnel and wow. knowing the ins and outs of the league and those who follow it know when someone's BSing, or they know when someone puts in the work. So the fact that you do do that, Dwayne, and people respect you, and is this something that is this something that you are interested in? And and uh, is it, does it pique your interest at all in uh, being involved in upper management and in CFL teams?
2: Uh, you know, I would say it is something that uh, has always been an interest to me. I mean, kind of sports management in in general is something that has always intrigued me as as much as the the X's and O's part of the game is the the stuff that goes on largely in the off season to build a team, whether it's, you know, general managers and head coaches philosophies and how they go about doing their jobs, what kind of attributes they're, they're looking for and, and so on. And obviously the, uh, the Canadian element um, in the CFL is, is something that I'm passionate about and, and kind of tracking amateur football and, and tracking prospects. Um, you know, long-term, I, I kind of look right now from a, from a family point of view, I can honestly say I don't know how much of a of a hurry I would be in to to go to that lifestyle where you know now a lot of what I do with the prospects I can kind of do on my own time and do because I'm I'm excited about it and interested in it and so on. But uh, to, you know to have it become a full time thing right now, uh, I'm I'm not sure I'm there yet. But uh, but somewhere down the road, yeah, it is is something that uh, that certainly me. You, you,
0: you've had, you've had an opportunities though. Have you not in the past? You know that uh, this, like, there yeah. I mean, there have been, that, but you've had, you've had calls that, that have approached you about it.
2: Yeah, there have been, you know, there have been a couple of times. I mean, I can say that there have been a couple of times where, you know, I was, I was about ready to go honestly. And, uh, you know, and ultimately decided not to, in one case it was, uh, you know, interviewed once and decided, that uh, the team decided that they were going in a different direction and and ultimately what I think proved to be the, the right direction for them. And I was fine with that. But, you know, I mean, having said all of that, I'm uh, given the opportunity, confident in uh, in the job I could do. But in the meantime, you know, I one of the neat things right now is for me, I always say if you're working for a team, you want to go into a situation where you're you're kind of surrounded by people you can learn from, right? As we talked about with a guy like Anthony Calvillo as a coach, is you want to have kind of experienced coaches around him that, that he can learn from. And, and for me, I would look at the same thing from a management point of view is I want to go into a situation with some experienced people that, that I can learn from. But one of the things I, I say kind of only half tongue in cheek is working for a team, you, you kind of get exposed to one philosophy, you know one way of doing things depending on who the general manager is there and and how they tend to do things whereas in the the job i'm in now it's it's kind of neat because i have the opportunity to talk to nine different general managers and head coaches and and kind of pick up and pick their brains and, and learn different philosophies and and kind of develop my own opinions about about what works and what doesn't so i i kind of uh i kind of enjoy this position from uh, from a learning point of view as well, right now
0: because everybody's still willing to share info with you. That's why I know you're not one of the you're not a rival just yet. <laughs> hey, listen, before we let you go, um, you know we we talked about. I mean, obviously, Davis, uh, glowing praise, and, and I, I think it goes without saying. And and I we appreciate the time. But tell me this: I mean, you're you're a proud Canadian. You're a proud. You, you really do. First for round draft
1: pick alumni. There you go, right, Dwayne? <laughs> um, That's it. That's it.
0: Go. Um, but but a guy who who really puts the Canadian in the Canadian Football League. So tell me this: Is there anything more that the league can do to protect Canadian players in the Canadian Football League long term? Is there anything you'd like to see, or is there anything more they can do?
2: Well, I'll, I'll tell you one of the one of the thoughts that that I have, and it's one of those things if. You know, I mean, you, you talk about what dream jobs would be. What would honestly be kind of a dream job for me? I wouldn't want to be the commissioner of the league <laughs> because I don't necessarily want to deal with the, the business side oh, okay. of it, right? But but I would love to, I, I would honestly love to, for like a week, have full control of the football operations part of the CFL. What would you so do? all these things that we talk about, like how to handle instant replay and things like that. You know, I, I would probably, I would, I would shake up a few things. <laughs> like
0: what? And, what would you do? You know,
2: I you mean, we, we talked about some of them. But you, you ask about the Canadian players and, and how to protect those guys long-term. I mean, one of the things to me is, you know, coming at it from a different angle, that you look at the Canadian Football League almost as a national team program. So much like, for example, in rugby, you know, Rugby Canada wants to make sure that they have the best Canadian rugby players and best Canadian rugby prospects. For them to be successful, those are the guys that they need. Um, hockey Canada wants to have the best Canadian hockey prospects involved in their program. And, you know, in football, where other than for, for the occasional tournament, there is no national team program, but the group that needs to have the best pool of Canadian talent, of, you know, to have all the best Canadian players playing, well, that's the CFL. And so one of the things to me that I would be trying to do in all honesty is to get out there and find the best potential football players. So, you know, it may be sometimes track and field athletes. It may be some of the many guys who are now going down to the States on basketball scholarships, what have you. If those guys aren't going to go to a a different level in the sports they're playing, is to try and develop those guys as Canadian football players. And, um, you know, and really do what you need to do to to deepen your pool of talent. You know, people, one of the knocks that you get all the time from within the league in terms of having the ratio is that you, you often get management and coaches talking about how the lack of depth of Canadian talent as compared to American talent the issues that it creates when there are injuries, right? And how it forces you to juggle your lineup or how the there's can be a drop off from the guy who's your Canadian starter to the guy who's your Canadian backup. So this for me is just one of those ideas that in terms of building up that depth is, is getting out there and, and recruiting and finding the the best athletes. And I kind of look at this from, you know, from experience that I've had or things that I've seen with, with other sports, like for example, bobsled Canada, where you see a guy like Jesse Lumsden end up as, as an Olympic medal contender, a guy Great who is example. an elite football player who is moving out of football, right? Like you have sports where there are athletes who have sort of similar athletic attributes. And so those sports get out and recruit to find those guys. And, and I can tell you, like, I mean, a sport like bobsled is looking at, at university football teams and kind of looking at some of the guys who may not play pro football and well, what what do they have that could transfer to bobsled? Rugby Ca- Canada. Rugby, rugby, rugby I is got a good. Idea,
0: yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, I got approached by the guys at Rugby Canada probably probably about five six years ago now. Give a necklace neck because they a rugby knew the player. stuff that I was doing. <laughs> yeah, I mean they, they were they were asking me because they knew the stuff I was doing with the scouting and the combines at the time. That the idea of it was okay. Who are some of the guys who may not end up in the CFL or maybe borderline CFL guys? but have these athletic attributes that could make them very good rugby players. And they were kind of looking to have those guys steered in their direction and and they would invest in developing them. And I think this is, this is a place where in football we're missing the boat a little bit. You know, it can even be a case oftentimes where, because we have this, uh, this system where so much of the focus is on guys who are playing university football, that there are times when guys who are playing junior football fall through the cracks a little bit because of the way the system works right like you've got a system where basically until a guy is completes his junior eligibility the only cfl team he can go to initially is is the local team right kind of how andrew harris a kid from winnipeg ends up as a bc lion is because he's playing junior football in british columbia so because he's an underage junior he hasn't maxed out on age he if he's going to play in the cfl he's what they call a domicile junior or territorial protection where, yeah. And, you know, and so he goes to that team. I think sometimes if the closest team may not necessarily be scouting a guy, may not be aware of a guy, may not have a need for a guy, but the other nine or excuse me, the other eight teams aren't going to pay attention to him because of what the rules are. And sometimes it's those guys falling through the cracks. And so I just think as, as a whole, as a league, you know, I, I would like to see, all of this is as part of a program to to kind of develop a pool of guys that uh you know to help help build the base help build the uh, the pool of of CFL Canadian talent
0: I know I could spend the rest of the uh this time just chirping you and and going on but hey listen I I just it's very rare but I want to pump your tires it's uh we might be separated by about two thousand, three thousand kilometers but uh it's great to reconnect, buddy. Miss you always, and uh, pass along the best to uh, to the family, to Sherry. And uh, and listen, keep up the awesome, man. Yeah, it's great, great work.
1: Uh, yeah. you, guys, you guys at uh, TSN, CFL on TSN, uh, you guys do a great job. Keep up the great work. Uh, we enjoy watching you guys uh, every weekend. Maybe you could step
2: up a little, though. <laughs> well, listen, thank you, guys. It's always great talking to both of you. I enjoy, uh, as you said, even though we're in different places in the country, Trading texts, whether it's uh, whether it's in game or during the week, between games, whatever the uh, the case may be. You know, I enjoy what you guys are doing, and uh, and same message right back at you. Keep up the great work.
0: Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. And uh, Davis, you, you, you your your brother called out Dwayne once. Oh there. yeah, Dwayne, real fast. Do you ever remember that that you did your the first
1: time you did your top oh. twenty Canadians? Remember that and yeah. my my little yeah. brother my little brother at this time i was definitely not a top 20 canadian i was probably in my like mid-30s but my brother still believed i was uh, and you put out your top 20 canadians and i wasn't on your list you were I, 21 yeah yeah <laughs> I, then i would have been number one and he came my brother confronted you in the uh, came and talked to you about it in the uh, underneath in bc place and said what are you doing Dwayne? how is david sanchez not in the top do you remember that
2: I, I, I do, actually. I don't know if he actually introduced himself as your brother, though. Uh, so <laughs> he, uh, he may have kept his bias slightly secret oh, at the time. That's a, well, I, but yeah, no, I, I it's, it's always funny, right? I mean, I, I'm not big on, on doing rankings because it's, it's all just opinions, right? But you, you do them to try and generate those, uh, those conversations, those discussions. And I guess we accomplished it, at least with your brother. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Keep up the awesome,
0: buddy. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, fellas. Talk to you soon. Dwayne Ford from the CFL on TSN. Always great catching up to Dwayne. Uh, I mean, I go back uh, probably 11 years ago that Dwayne and I used to host a a CFL show on The Score called The Snap way back when and uh, not to steal anything from Max and Brody on CFL.ca, but uh, way back when uh, we had done some stuff and, and Dwayne he just cares so much about the game, and and one thing that always kind of jumped out at me. I remember years ago, Dwayne would sit there uh, late at night, and he would he would find guys who you wouldn't think even come close to being uh, a Canadian or or a non non import, mm-hmm. and he would and he would find those guys. Somebody who had grown up in Florida and spent all their life there, but had a family member that was Canadian, and he somehow found a way to determine that. And, and he helped the league out. I, I, you know, and it, it's not like he was getting paid uh, for it. He just, he just cared. It was a passion of his. It was almost like a, a labor of love for him. And he loved to do that to help, help grow the
1: league. Uh, yeah. he's one of the, you know, there's a handful of people that, uh, if I had a chance to sit down and spend time talking CFL football with, he would be at the top of the list, uh, to talk CFL football. I love getting a chance to talk to Dwayne. So that was great to have him on and pick his brain a little bit, uh, You know, always got his finger on the pulse of the CFL, so uh, great
0: for him joining the waggle. Uh, We certainly appreciate Dwayne's time. And, uh, all right, I mean, we'll look ahead to some of the the weekend's matchups now, and it's getting interesting. I mean, the one that really kind of the plot thickens, I mean, first and foremost, is the one that I I look at between Edmonton and Winnipeg, where, you know— despite winnipeg coming so close and what a game that was i mean boy oh boy a game of the year that lived up to the hype uh between calgary and winnipeg last week that was something amazing um uh, but to see where uh things now with edmonton coming up with a big win against bc last week and edmond you know suddenly the gap is narrowed to four points so how big does this game look now this coming weekend when Edmonton visits Winnipeg. Winnipeg didn't, to me, even though it was a loss, I mean, I'm sure that probably still felt like a win in some respects. I think the Bombers are still, I don't know what to expect from Edmonton. Edmonton looks like they're starting to show signs of uh, getting things together on, defensively. Uh, Mike Benavides has got his squad a big win against his former team that he coached uh, with the BC Lions, but. I, I don't know. I mean, Edmonton feels so Jekyll and Hyde right now. I, I just You don't know what you're going to get one week to the next. It was still just their first win of the month of September last weekend against BC. It was still impressive. But to me, I, I, I still am going to lean towards the Bombers. This team didn't show me that <laughs> they were dropping off. I mean, they pushed Calgary right to the very limit. I mean, Calgary needed a buzzer beater to hang on for that victory. So... Uh, to me, that's I, I think that's something to, to definitely. Uh, I, I like I like Winnipeg in this one. Yeah, this is a, this is a do or die
1: game for the Edmonton Eskimos in regards to keeping pace with the BC Lions and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. You know, at six and seven, the Winnipeg's eight and five. If they don't if they don't win this game, they can pretty much. Uh, Count themselves out of that out of that race for the for the home playoffs berth, but uh, yeah, it's gonna be t- a tough tough toton in Winnipeg. I need to see a little more out of Winnipeg's offense in regards to explosive plays. Mm. That's that's the one thing that I that I do question when I look at that that club. Um, they're they're strong. They don't have that home of, run. No, they don't, and they're strong in a lot of a lot of positions. But that's that's the one thing I think they need to to find before as they go into this playoff push. But uh, I, I like Winnipeg to hang on at home. You point. like Winnipeg on that one
0: as well. Okay, uh, we go to Saturday. A doubleheader on the Saturday. You've got Ottawa and BC. Uh, the Leos licking their wounds here after uh, coming up short against um, against Edmonton on the road. And coming off that bye week, Ottawa looks like maybe they showed some signs of life kind of finding their groove again with a big win against Toronto last weekend. and um, Ottawa a team before last weekend had lost five of their last seven games. This this to me is probably the most intriguing matchup of the weekend because, you know, these are two teams that are so talented. Ottawa has the ability. They've got the capability. If they can come up with a win, they put themselves in a real comfortable spot to be, you know, the big boys of the, in the East where BC is trying to keep pace and that hold on to that second spot where Winnipeg's coming hard right now and BC, you know, Coming up short against Edmonton, I mean, look, there's no slouch to, to to fall to the defending Grey Cup champions on the road. But at the same time, how B.C. kind of got knocked around in that game, uh, squandering a 14-point lead too at the beginning of the game. Uh, this one, I, don't, I mean, this is a hard one. This is a hard one for me to kind of, I mean, because I have I've got trust issues with Ottawa, but they want to show me to believe. To me, if I'm gonna go anywhere, I, I'm gonna err on the side of the home team on this one. I sure. think I'm gonna to lean towards BC towards this one, but it's I feel like I can go either way right now. When looking at the at the BC
1: Lions squad, uh, you look at they look strong up front. They look the receiving. hard to course. find a weakness, and I found one. The weakness of this team right now is the turnovers. They're not creating enough turnovers. They have four takeaways in the last six games, which that's not that's not getting it done. And Wally is is tinkering around with that secondary now in right away. He's, he's changed up the boundary, put Anthony Gator and uh, Chandler Fenner into the into the boundary, uh, partly because of injury, but also partly because he's trying to find out what he has now. Um, a month, you know, six weeks left in the season. He's going to find out now what he has with these young guys and see if uh, these are the guys that he's going to go with moving forward or, or find some vets to put in those spots. But uh Takeaways is a big thing. I was out of practice last week, and that's one of the things Wally is preaching is they got to get their hands on the football. You know as well as I do. Coming down to the end of the season and playoff football, turnovers determine games. And that's the one element. If if you can find a weakness of this team, not taking away with the football is the weakness but home home team i take bc uh, ottawa has not looked uh, not looked like the explosive ottawa team that
0: we expected offensively but yet defensively they're starting to show some signs of life here so I, I who i mean who knows what to make of this ottawa red blacks team but i think at this point i'll go with the devil i know i'll go with the bc lions so we're on the same page of that one as well uh and hey we're talking october football here now with these saturday games you got calgary on the road against hamilton to me i thought before the game last week i thought that somehow calgary would find a way you know i, I thought that if calgary is going to have their unbeaten streak stopped to me i thought it was going to happen in hamilton this coming weekend but with the injured horses the way hamilton's playing right now i just don't see that happening uh, there's just the weapons are too banged up right now for hamilton uh, there's a lot of problems on that front offensive line and um you know let's face it i, I calgary's a much better team right now they're in much better shape then the Hamilton tie Cats Give me the road team here to get it done on this yeah, one. Yeah,
1: no Tasker, no Tolliver, no Owens. CJ no, no. Gable is out. Uh, he, you know, uh, Zach still threw for 300 last week, but uh, yeah. you're, you're right. He doesn't have the horses. I'm not sure who of those. I know Chad won't be back. He's on sixth game, but uh, I'm not sure who of those will be back. We'll find out shortly. But uh, you have to take the Calgary Peters home uh, who knows if ken austin will be on the sideline (laughs) you know what uh, james i think it will take time to come down Uh, if even if he is suspended like the deron carter case there will be an arbitrator that will have to come in that will take some time hopefully not as long 2017 yeah not as long yeah they'll decide no hopefully not that long but i i we me, me and you feel the same in this in this situation i think ken austin will get
0: suspended for a game Orlando Steinauer's coaching debut. Oh, oh, no pressure. Oh, Uh, okay. It brings us to the final uh, matchup of the week. Uh, Two teams that are kind of licking their wounds right now. Uh, It's the Montreal Alouettes uh, who uh, coming off the the, the, the debut of these Jacques Jacques Chapdelaine. Yeah, are are people actually doing that right now? Yeah, they. Well, we have our uh, (laughs) Quebecois, French coach. Go away, go away, go away. Quebecois,
1: French. uh, New. We have our new uh, Quebecois head coach. Actually, you know what? Word out of talk to the guys yesterday. They had a practice on sunday uh very high tempo guys guys are guys are feeling good now i don't know if it's just because they needed a change and what was happening wasn't working or they're actually happy they wanted jacques i don't know but i I did talk to a couple of the guys said the tempo was really fast had a great practice and the guys are feeling good about the change now you know like i said not necessarily that they wanted jim out or or jacques just the fact that there was change needed and now there's some change. Let's see what what happens with this.
0: All right, fair enough. Uh, and, and you know you got the Argos who are also going with a new era, and it's I think the the start of the Drew Willie era this coming weekend as well. So it's a new start for Jacques Chapdelaine's team, and this looks like it's going to be. Take Drew take I'll team. take the under. You're gonna take the. Yes, exactly. Based <laughs> on the way Montreal's offense has moved this year, that's a, that's a wise choice. Um, this one, you, you know what. To me, I'll, I'll go with the Argos here. I just think that they're a, a better rounded team. Um, it's an opportunity, it's a fresh start with Drew Willie here. I mean, they've had you know a fresh start with a lot of different guys, Logan Kilgore, uh, Dan Lafever, and, and now Drew Willie. Uh, call me crazy, but you know what? there's still a lot at stake. There's a big opportunity up for grabs with uh, Toronto hosting the Grey Cup this year. Uh, the sense of urgency has to kick in, and uh, let's see what hey, let's see what Drew Willie can do. Let's see what Drew Willie can do instead of mop up minutes, right? Mop up, mop up. Because he's the time. king of the mop up minutes, yeah, right? Hey, hey, Drew, it's not your it's not
1: your fault. It's just the situation. is you guys got drugged the first four weeks when you were in Winnipeg, you guys were down by 30 every game at half, and then you put up huge numbers in the second half. We didn't know what to make of that, and now your first time back in Toronto, you it, Drew looked great. But once again, in mop-up time, what do we make of these numbers? We don't know, but uh, we'll find out. He'll get his first shot. Uh, I like Montreal at home under the new, uh, the new era here, and uh, and we'll see what happens with a team that will have some motivation, fighting for their jobs, fighting for respect, and in front of their home crowd.
0: He's David Sanchez. I'm James Sobolski. If you aren't subscribing through iTunes already, be sure to subscribe to The Waggle. It's, it's real free. quick and it's easy. Free. It's free. And uh, just like CFL Pick'Em, make sure you're playing against us on CFL.ca. It's free. You can join our group, The Waggle. You can go head-to-head and make picks against both Davis and myself. And uh, hey, let me ask you this real quick. Um, DraftKings, I know you like playing the DraftKings action. Give me your, uh, what was your defensive choice uh, between you got Edmonton and Winnipeg. You got Ottawa. I got you Montreal. Got, you, I was gonna I'll say, say are right you Montreal, right Toronto. Yeah, yeah, you go they, Montreal. Because okay. Drew
1: doesn't know the system that well, and Montreal yeah. has a great defense under little there no torpedo defense. There's, there's, there's Draft, a, Kings, there's Draft, Draft Kings. Draft Kings. D. Montreal's my defense.
0: That's a that's a good pick right there. He's Davis Sanchez. You can find him on Twitter at Davis Sanchez. I'm James Sabalski. You can find me at James Sabalski on Twitter or it's Sabalski on Instagram. Uh, don't forget to always drop by on Tuesdays. You can find us on Facebook Live Tuesday afternoons, taking your questions and suggestions as well. A special thanks to Dwayne Ford from CFL on TSN for mm-hmm. dropping by this week and sharing his insight and information. Always a good time. Uh, Bo Levi Mitchell will drop by to join both Davis and I a little later on this week. You definitely want to catch that conversation. One of the great ambassadors and one of the great personalities in the Canadian Football League and a guy who's um, not shy of a microphone either, apparently. My new favorite quarterback. <laughs> I think you've had the. I think there's been a bro, you've, you've been a believer for most of the season, haven't you?
1: About for week three or four when I kept picking against Calgary because I thought he lost all his weapons. Mm. Mm. Rodgers going down south and Fuller being down south. I, I, Cornish gone. I, there's no way. But uh, he manages to keep on doing it week in, week out. How can you not believe? He proved you wrong
0: uh hey listen uh, always a good time and, and and if you haven't had a chance by the way yet already uh, be sure to check out cfl.ca my conversation with michigan state head coach uh mark d'antonio uh speaking about his former student athlete mylon hicks who uh, obviously was killed uh, last weekend that's a very emotional very personal interview that uh it, it really speaks volumes about the person and the player that mylon hicks was not only at michigan state but also Uh, with his time in Calgary
1: James that was great Uh, that 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 spoke volumes about Mylon Hicks uh, your conversation with him I please go check that out I me listening to myself last night I got touched and got and got uh, emotional just just listening to that interview Um, you did a great job with that and uh, and much respect to to Mylon and his family and coach for a great for you know for their loss and a a great conversation talking about the man and Mylon Hicks For David
0: Sanchez, I'm James Cebalski. Thanks again so much for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week. Later.